Now, my name is Lance Edward. A lot of you guys uh, have seen me before coming in here with uh, the artifacts presentation or helping out with the worship team through the Ministry Arts Academy. And it is a privilege to be here with you guys this morning. But I forget how your guys' services go. So you guys have to coach me this morning and make sure that I don't get off on tangents. I don't forget what goes next. You guys have to learn me good, okay? This morning, I wanted to talk to you a little about what the Lord put on my heart just today for you. I had something really clever prepared, and then the Lord woke me up this morning and said, yeah, forget all that. I want you to say this instead. Okay. So this morning, I have put together something different, completely different for you. And it's actually going back to the Old Testament. In Genesis 22, 1 through 19. Now, without looking, don't cheat. You're reading. I'll poke you in the eye. Don't read. Who can tell me what that's about? Who didn't look? Genesis 22. What happens in Genesis 22? One of the most significant things, I think, in history happened in Genesis 22. We got one over here? Everybody read it, didn't they? Okay. Abraham and Isaac, the sacrifice where Abraham is asked to sacrifice his only son. Now, the beautiful thing I love about this story is God would never ask anything of us that he's not prepared to do himself. Amen? And God did that with his own son, Jesus, and actually followed through, knowing his son knowing full well what was happening. Here in this story, Isaac had no idea what was happening. Let's read that together. So if you have a Bible, turn it to Genesis 22, verse 1 through 19. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, exclamation point. I think he was telling. And he said, here I am. Now remember this phrase, here I am. Take now your son, your only son. Talk about rubbing salt in the wound. Whom you love, okay, Isaac. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Okay. If God said that, raise your hand if you're a parent. God said that to one, about one of your children. What is going to be your response today? What is going to be your response? Hesitation, what? No way. What else? That's right. I'd be like, okay, this is the devil. This isn't God. You need to hang up on this line. This line is busy. It's reserved for God only. Hang up, right? Be like, no way. What's Abraham's response? Let's look. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. What? Remember, Abraham was considered righteous in God's eye. This is before the law of Moses, before the Ten Commandments. But God considered Abraham righteous because of his obedience. And he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and, and the lad will go on over there. The lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Oh. 
he chops the wood and says, son, here, you carry it. What? And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am. My son, and he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. His son had no idea. And now he's being bound and laid on the wood. Can you imagine what's going on in Abraham's heart? Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son from me then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide okay have you put yourself in that situation? Parents? This was a test, an Abraham moment. Have you ever had an Abraham moment in your life? I just had one last week. The Lord had me write a list of all my jobs. In the Ministry Arts Academy, I have the privilege of working with artists you know, all, all over the world, and I get to help people accomplish their dreams and their visions and their missions for, for God, for his glory, for changing lives, and what a privilege it is. But I have a tendency, I'm one of those people that, you know what my greatest strength is? I actually used to think I was talented. I'm not. I'm an imitator. I'm one of those people that can imitate what they see. Like, if I go bowling with my friends, I never go bowling. But I'll watch my friends bowl, and I can realize what they're doing wrong. And then the, before the end of the night, I'm getting strikes by bowling through my legs. I can imitate what I see. And that was one of my strengths. But my ego gets involved. And all of a sudden, I turn into that guy who says, Hey, look what I can do. Look what I can do. And I do too much. And I made a list. And I had 14 jobs jobs, literal jobs that I was doing on that list. And I felt the Lord say to me, I didn't ask you to do all those. You know the saying, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so I, when I'm finding it hard to get prayer time in, when I'm finding it hard to, to include the Lord throughout my day, when I'm not praying or reading the word like I should, it's because my ego or my need to be needed is getting in the way. So I had a little Abraham moment. We all have little Abraham moments in our lives where we have to put aside stuff that we love, stuff that, that we like, to do the right thing. How many parents in here have sacrificed for their children along the way? 
Every hand should be up in the air. You cannot be a parent without sacrifice. And this is at the nth degree. This is the beginning. This is God introducing himself to Abraham. Okay? Now, my journey was really interesting. The Abraham moments that came through my journey, because they were big and they were important. Now, I have the day-to-day ones like I just discussed, but sometimes there are really big ones like this in our lives. They're super challenging. When I first started, how I got started in this ministry in the first place, this is back in 1997, I had a little red Ford that had three working wheels on it. I worked in the mall in Aberdeen, South Dakota. I worked in a photo lab, and, and my boss had had a major heart attack. And the Lord was prompting me to tell him about who Christ was. Now, I was not that person. I always thought it was terribly awkward to walk up to somebody and say, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? I'm like, I'm not that guy. How, how weird and awkward, I always thought. I'm not going to do that. But the Lord had been prompting me and prompting me because this guy had almost lost his life, but he didn't change his lifestyle, so I knew he was playing with his life. And so it was really on me to talk to him. So I'm on my way to work that day. Now, this is a true story, so you can't judge me and don't email me later that you hated this story. But this is a true story, so I get to tell it. On the way to work that day, my guts gave out. You know what I mean? Like when you have bad Chinese? You know what I'm talking about. And, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm in the neighborhood. Like there's no gas stations. There's nothing. And I'm like, oh, no. And so I panicked. And my friend was working as a youth minister in the, in the area. I ran over to the church. I kicked down the doors of the, his office. And I ran downstairs to his office. I said, Dave, i got to use your bathroom. I'm sorry. And I went in and I came out. And I'm going to match my gentleman. But I came out, and he had somebody in his office. How embarrassing. He had somebody in his office. He goes, Lance, I'm so glad you're here. Really? Okay. And he goes, I want you to meet Kim. And Kim was this great guy who ended up being one of my greatest mentors. And, and he said, Kim is a songwriter. He wants to help with his songs. I know you're writing songs. And I said, oh, i got to get to work. And he goes, well, can you show him what you do real quick? I said, sure. Come up to my, he goes, we went up to his truck, and I took my cassette tape. How old am I? <laughs> we put his, my cassette in his, his car radio, his truck, and, and we listened to a song. And, and I, I go, I'm sorry, i got to go, and went to work. And I, on my way to work, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to tell this guy about Jesus, and I don't want to do it. I told my manager when I got there, and she said, don't do it. He's going to fire you. And I'm like, mm, I know, but God's telling me, and it's my Abraham moment. i got to do this. Right? And I took him into the studio, and I said, listen, I don't know where you go to church, and I don't care. I said, but I do care about you. And the Bible tells me that the only way into heaven is through knowing Jesus Christ. He looks at me and goes, yeah, you're fired. I was so livid. I got in my three-wheeled car, and I'm driving home, pounding my steering wheel, shaking my fist at heaven. I told you, you don't listen. Right? And you know what I heard back? I I thought I heard the Lord say, now you get it. You put someone else's salvation ahead of your own wants and needs. See, Jesus mirrors this in the New Testament. He mirrors this in the New Covenant. 
He says, if you want to be my follower, you have to love me more than your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Then you must be willing to pick up your cross daily. He had to add daily, didn't he? Daily. These moments where we have to die to ourselves, surrender to God's will, and trust that he knows better than we do on why he would be asking us to do something like this. Abraham clearly understood this. He didn't hesitate. He didn't bark back. He didn't shrink. He said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. I am but dust. Recently I showed a photograph to um, Melissa Head here. And we're prepping for her, her whole, I mean, if you guys don't know yet, Melissa is blowing up like crazy. Like crazy. Okay? Um, I'll tell you more about that in a minute, but it's so exciting. But I showed her this picture of the Hubble telescope took a photo. They pointed it in this void of space. And, and it, they thought there was nothing out there. They thought it was literally a black void. They expected nothing. And, it, and Hubble stared at that void for about three, uh, three days. And then on the third day, they looked at the photos, and it turns out there were millions of galaxies in that one section of the universe. And I said to her, that same God who created all of those galaxies so far away we can't even comprehend is the same God who's calling you to serve him to love him, to know him, intricately invested in her daily life. And she's got to make Abraham moments. She's got to uh, allow herself to surrender, to trust in faith. So I lost my job. I don't have to get up the next morning. I get woken up, somebody pounding on my door, and I'm thinking, are you stinking puking kidding me? I have no job. I have no reason to exist. I have, I'm not getting up. And pound, 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 pound. I open the door, and who is it but the guy I met when my guts gave out the day before. He was from Mowbray. And he was standing there with his daughter. And he said, I was praying last night, and God told me I'm here to help you begin your ministry, to get financial obstacles out of your way so you can do what he's called you to do. By the way, here's the keys and a title to a car. Huh? I didn't have an Abraham moment. I had a Scooby-Doo moment. But play, can you play the, the play it? Can you show the next one, please? Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time for heaven and said. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sandwich. Did I say sandwich? And as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you 
have obeyed my voice. It's amazing and outstanding when we are faced with those moments where we say, Lord, this makes no sense, but I trust you. You made me. I am but dust. I have breath in my lungs because you gave it to me. You gave me life. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You desired me to be in every way. Every good thing that has come in my life is because of you. And when we surrender that back to God and we place ourselves willingly on his potter's wheel to smith us, to mold us, we become transformed into something we can't possibly fathom. Now, long story short, I ended up living in Mobridge. I don't recommend that. But I lived there for about three months, and everything was being provided for us because this guy who was my mentor was awesome, and he was loving, and he cared, and he was doing everything the Lord told him to do, and then the Lord asked me again, I want you to leave, and I want you to go to Colorado, and I knew that meant leaving all this stuff behind. Oh, come on. Okay, all right. I moved to Colorado. I moved out to Colorado. I'm living in the basement of my lead guitar player's dad's home, which is super awkward because I just fired him from the band, okay? That's awkward. And he come, his dad came home one day at about two weeks into being there, and he said, there's somebody who wants to meet you. Come to, come to his office. All right. Show up at the guy's office. He introduces himself. He says, tell me everything about what you're doing. And I did. And he said, well, I was praying last night. Oh, I've heard this before. And he said, God told me to give you $100,000. Oh? Did I just win the Jesus lottery? This is fantastic news. I immediately moved to Nashville. I put hundred grand into an album. I get offered a million, record, million dollar recording contract. I'm going to be important. I'm going to matter. I'm accomplishing my dreams. I'm going to be special in every way. And God said, go home. I can't use you the way you are. Huh? What? I just spent a hundred grand that you gave me. You brought me here. He says, if you believe that I brought you here, then don't you believe that I can bring you back if I need to? Oh, that's not fair. So I call all my friends, all my gurus, and, and they said, yeah, God's telling you to come home. You know where home was? Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. I've been here since 2000. I'm ready to go. 2000. So I became a youth minister. I shelved those project, projects. Nobody ever heard it. I became a youth minister. Two years later, a guy comes sitting in my office that I met two weeks earlier at a concert. His name was Alan Green from Life Life Festival. And he says, I was praying in Mexico. I'm like, oh no, here we go. He said, God told me it's time to bring you in for a concert. Oh, oh, okay, maybe it's time. He booked the Washington Pavilion in the Great Hall. Raise your hand if you've ever been to an event in the Great Hall of the Washington Pavilion. We packed it. I packed it. Let me say that different. God packed it. I had no, nothing to do with that. I said, the first thing I said when I came out on that stage was, don't you people realize that I sing for free every weekend at my church? Only God can do something like that, but it didn't end there. Okay, after this big thing at the Washington Pavilion, I got a band, 
We're going out. It's a deal. I end up in a minivan with one friend and for the next six years in a minivan. Not this big production thing that I, we were building up to, and we were going to little churches all over the place. We do about 183 cities a year. Then I was going to a Bible study, and a guy pulls up to me next to my car one day, and he said, he goes, how much do you, he goes, I've been following you for a year. I said, oh, cool. That's kind of creepy, but cool. He said, how much do you charge to do an event? I go, well, if you've been following us, you know our ministry doesn't believe in charging. We don't believe in that because the apostles were told by Christ, freely you have received, now freely give. So we don't charge. He goes, well, how many people you got on your mailing list? I smiled and I said, I don't have a mailing list. I see those abused too often in ministry, right? And he said, well, how do you do this? I smiled and I pointed up. He said, that's why my wife and I would like to support your ministry. He said, I want you to come over and meet my wife. All right. I get a free meal. You know, I'm driving over to his house. I got his address. And I'm thinking, well, maybe. Maybe I can record a new song. Because it's expensive to record just a single song. Okay? About $3,500 on the low end to record one song. Okay? Show up at his house, and it is like Wayne Manor. Okay? From Batman. It's like this huge house. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I can get two songs out of this. Walked in, he said, tell us everything. I did. He says, I know how hard it is for artists. He goes, we've been in, around music ministers, and it's difficult, and, and we want to help you. We, we know you need support. We want to help you. And on the way out the door, he said, well, not all the way up to a million dollars, but we want to help you. And I thought, how rude. You don't say that to somebody, all the way up to a million dollars. Well, he ended up giving over a million dollars to our ministry. Now, the first guy supported us, about $10,000 I estimated, roughly, about how much he invested. The second guy, $100,000. The third guy, a million dollars. That means the next guy, somebody in here is going to give me $10 million. <laughs> this is exciting. Thank you ahead of time, whoever you are. This is great. <laughs> These are Abraham moments. I had to walk away around every turn. I had to surrender it back to God around every turn. And the reason I tell you this this morning is for a couple of reasons. I was at a church last, uh, a couple weeks ago now, and I heard a preacher say to his congregation, God doesn't need your money. I was waiting for the rest of that. There was not the rest. And the rest of that, if you've never heard it, is God doesn't need your money. That's a very true statement. He doesn't need your money. 100% biblically agree with that. But he does want what belongs to him. We are all but stewards of what he gives us. If you think that's your money that you're withholding, Malachi will tell us point blank to our faces that we are stealing from God when we do not give to God what he has asked for. We will pay the government, but the government is not our God. We'll pay, buy things for ourselves. But when we do not give our 10%, and it is 10%, that's what tithe means. Literally, tithe means 10. Okay? This is not a request. This is a command. God is not asking. He's telling you. You keep what belongs to you. You give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and you give to God what belongs to God. And this is New Testament. This is New Covenant. Now, I was a little bit behind. 
okay? Because I don't think in these terms all the time. I should be in this habit, but I'm not in that spiritual habit. So recently, I tithed to Melissa in all of her financial needs of everything she's going to need to do what she's doing, okay? And she said, thank you, Lance. Thank you, Lance. I said, stop it. Knock it off. I did not give that to you. If it was my money, I'd keep it. I don't like you that much. <laughs> I just gave to you what was God's portion, which he allocated for you. Now, I want to show you a picture. God's faithfulness. That's me in front of 100,000 people with just an acoustic guitar. That's a Life Flight Festival. Melissa just got invited to be part of the Life Flight Festival. In the next picture, that's me with an Academy Award winning composer, David Campbell. And he's recording my live symphony orchestra in Los Angeles. Okay? Melissa just got invited to record live symphony orchestra on her first single in Russia, and it's already paid for. And I want to be clear, she's not traveling to Russia, but they're going to record it over there. Now, if you know anything about their orchestras over there, some of the best in the world, and they'll be performing to one of her new singles. She's blowing up like mad, like crazy. Now, I want to share this with you because I'm going to ask you a favor. This is the last time because of these 14 jobs I have, I will not be preaching in churches anymore as a guest pastor. Hopefully, I'll be in churches doing, you know, academy stuff, but this is, this is the last time I will do that. You guys are the last. So before I stop doing this, I wanted to tell you, please, you are her spiritual family, and I cannot express to you enough the 25 years of doing this and helping artists all over the amount of money that they need to raise to do one thing is unreal. Think about how much it costs to record a song, okay? And that was sponsored. Her string session was sponsored already. It's paid for. Somebody heard about it and said, I want to cover that. Praise God. But she's going to have so much financial need and so much prayerful need. She's going to need you guys to be her family, her spiritual family. Treat her like family. Take care of her like family. She will not ask you. She is too humble. She is too sweet. She is too kind, and you know this. So I'm asking you, take good care of her. Ask her how she's doing. Pray for her often. And if prompted by the Holy Spirit, do what I did. Well, this is the Lord's. He allocated it towards you. That's fine. That's the Lord's anyway. But I know Charlie wants to do a noisy bucket for her at some point here in the church to help her offset the launch of her music career. Now, her music career is not going to take her away from here. She's committed to staying here and going out when she can. But you have somebody who is anointed and blessed by God, has the favor of God on her right now in your own church, and this is an opportunity for a family, a spiritual family, to rally together around her and love on her and support her and ask her, how can I be praying for you? What do you need? How can I pray for you? I can tell you I had an army of people. If it takes a village to raise a child, I needed a whole army. And you are hers. Who else would she turn to? You are a spiritual family. So will you do me a favor? Please take care of her. Okay, thank you.
So uh, where's the worship team?